Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We are glad to have you here with us. Uh, my name is Jonathan, and we actually have on the line with us all the way from uh, Georgia. We have Eddie, and Eddie, you're going to have to pronounce your last name for, for me. Is it Caparucci? That's right. You did an excellent job with that, Jonathan. All right. All right. So, Eddie Caparucci, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. So before we dive in, uh, listeners, I just want to let you know, as we do periodically, that we are a listener-supported program, which means the only way you're hearing us or seeing us is because we've just had faithful partners come alongside and choose to financially support us. And so if you'd like to learn about the ways that you can support us, just go to puresexradio.com and click on the Become a Patron uh, button. So Eddie, I want to dive in. I, I would love for our listeners, first of all, to just get to know you a little bit. So if you could share with us just a little bit of your background and the kind of uh, work that you've gotten into now. And then we can dive into talking about what I'm interested in, which is this, these nine reasons why men abuse sex. So why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and let them know a little bit more about you. Well, Jonathan, I am a licensed uh, professional counselor here in the state of Georgia. And with my wife, Terry, we have a private practice in Marietta. Our specialty is in the treatment of sexual addiction and pornography addiction, as well as helping wives to uh, manage the betrayal that they have suffered. And then as well as working with couples to help them to heal and move into a new relationship as they go along this whole continuum and path. Um, been practicing for about eight years. My wife has been practicing for three. Uh, we're pretty full. We've been very blessed with this ministry by God. See between 30 and 35 people a week. Um, I'm certified. I have two certifications in sexual addiction and pornography addiction. And I will tell you one thing that's um, just been so amazing and a blessing to me is that you would, be, you would be kind of hard to believe, but when I sit in that chair every day, I am never more at peace because I get to see God at work mm -hmm. all the time. So I have to ask you because this, is, this isn't exactly the kind of field that most people who go into counseling are really aiming at. <laughs> you know, I think yeah. a lot of people don't, don't say, hey, okay, let me look at all the possible things that I could be counseling about and say, hey, I want to do that about sexual addiction or so usually there's a backstory to this. I mean, there's got to be, I almost feel like those who get into this kind of ministry have some kind of calling on their life. So can you share with us just sort of how you, your life got you into this place? Like, how did God bring you to this point of this kind of ministry? Yes, I will. And it's a very, I mean, it's a story that we could take an hour. I'll try to do it in 60 seconds. Um, I was for many years, almost 25 years, I was in the marketing and advertising industry. And I was a senior executive. Um, so by the time I was 16, I was a womanizer. Never had just one girlfriend, always had to have more. And that continued through two marriages that I blew through until I was almost 38. Uh, just jumping from relationship to relationship to relationship. And I never quite understood what it was about. I thought it was just, well, I have a high sex drive. I'm, I don't know, big, whatever it may be. And I finally went got some counseling and I realized what I had, I had an attachment disorder, I had an abandonment uh, disorder, and therefore I had one foot in and one foot out. Mm -hmm. shortly, shortly after that, I met my wife, Carrie, and um, 
and therefore she didn't have to deal with the womanizing. Uh, there was some pornography at the beginning of our relationship, which again, she put her foot down and said, look, we, we just can't do this. And I walked away from that. Now, how did I get here to this? Well, the thing is, God got to me at a certain point and said, look, you know what? I'm done with you in the corporate world. I want you to do something different. And that's where he called me into counseling. But when I began my counseling career, I was a generalist. And that's what I thought I was going to be, uh, treating depression and anxiety. But what happened is over the course of time, actually very shortly, these guys started coming into my office that were having these sexual addiction and pornography addiction problems. And I sat there and I was like, oh my gosh, they're me. They're me 20 years ago. And so therefore I was like, you know, I have to do something here. I really need to make sure I have all the skill set I need to be able to treat them the way my counselor treated me. So therefore I went back and got my certification. And then I just felt the calling on my heart, as you mentioned, from God that this is where I belong. I belong working with the population. Yeah. So, man, I love it. I always love how, you know, when we look back on our lives, we can see the providence and sovereignty of God and how the things that we we thought were decisions we were making <laughs> yeah. really how God is moving us in a direction. In fact, I always like to say this, that God doesn't infringe on our free will, but he can narrow our options. Right. Oh, so, <laughs> he did that with mine, no yeah. doubt about it. Here he puts you in a context where it's like, Hey, I, you get it. You're going to counsel. And now he starts bringing people that are, that are going to put you into this very specific yeah. niche of ministry. So I, I want to unpack you. You've, you've mentioned that you want to share these nine reasons that men abuse sex. And I would love for us to just begin to dive in there because I think a lot of people do have questions. I mean, we meet men all the time that, you know, you, their wives are asking them this question, like, why did you do this? What were you thinking? Right. All those kinds of things. And like a lot of times there's just sort of this deer in the headlights, blank stare. I don't know. And the reality is there's, there are, there's things behind the scene, right? That are motivating factors or maybe contributing factors to why yeah. men then go towards this idea of abusing sex. So why don't you first define for us what you mean when you talk about uh, men abusing sex? Can you give a sure. definition for that? And then let's talk about these reasons. Right. Um, as you know, sex is a gift that's given to us from God. It is a gift that one is to help us produce children, but also to be shared um, with in in a marriage with couples to be able to strengthen their bond together. Mm -hmm. Whenever we're using sex just as an instrument of self-gratification, we are abusing it. And what I've come across over the years is, to your point, women come in here with their husbands and the number one question they have, why? And for me, the why question is the most critical question of all because if I can tell you why I do something I, I believe I have a better chance of fixing it so over the years what I've done was I've identified nine major reasons why men abuse sex and only one of them has anything to do with sex mm -hmm. okay so let's dive in what's what's one what's the number well I don't know if you've got these in an order or if they're just nine reasons they're nine, they're not in any particular order, but the first one is life lacks stimulation. All right, so okay. therefore, individuals who are raised in an environment that offered very little in the way of po positive interaction with their 
family member. Um, they could be surrounded by people, but yet they still feel very disconnected and alone. So therefore they learn how to comfort themselves. And then what happens is they wind up becoming more comfortable being alone than with others. At some point they discover sex. And then what happens is they're like, oh my gosh, this level of stimulation I've never experienced before. It's extremely powerful, very captivating for them. And it serves us as a mental and emotional rush. Mm -hmm. and what happens is that now becomes their MO. Whenever they're bored, whenever they're lonely, what they're going to do is they're going to turn to sex to be able to get that stimulation they're looking for. And that goes into their adult world. And as I said, any kind of you know, moment where they need to fill those quiet moments, they will seek out sex to obtain the chemical rush. Yeah, so if I'm hearing so if I'm hearing you right, the 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 first reason is life lacks stimulation in a very general sense. Like there's all kinds of things that can bring stimulation to our being in terms of just mentally and emotionally, relationally, all these kinds, of, even physically, like exercise and all those kinds of things. And what you're saying is this is a, a person who in any one or maybe all of those areas, there's a lack of stimulation in that. And then when they find sexuality they find pornography or something like that it seems as if everything for them gets channeled into that that one and only way to be stimulated which is probably one of the reasons why it creates dysfunction later on in all those other areas of their life emotionally relationally spiritually all of that is that fair to say because remember what comes with this is a very deep profound sense of loneliness you know and even though they become accustomed to being alone in fact, they, they prefer to be alone than with other people. Subconsciously, there's still loneliness. And therefore, to battle that, to, to move away from those feelings, which they can't identify, they'll continue to move towards sex. That's good. So, so what's the second one? The second one is need for affirmation. Again, these are individuals who grew up in an environment where maybe they received a little, little in the way of praise, or they maybe have received a constant stream of criticism. So therefore, right now, they suffer a low sense of self-worth. And then they feel worthless, even though maybe, you know, they have been very successful in life. But yet, you know, internally, they feel that, you know, I just don't measure up. So therefore, their quest is to seek affirmation, to be desired. And so therefore, what they do is they'll seek this praise and affirmation from others and therefore, this is where we're going to see a lot of guys here and in the next reason that wind up going and having affairs and relationships because what they're doing, people come on to them and feel this sense of affirmation. Ooh, appreciate me. And even believe it or not, when it comes to pornography, as men look at pornography and they start daydreaming me that, oh, this woman would think I'm a wonderful sex partner or, right. the, or the guy who scroll Facebook looking at the images of women, the, just the faces, and saying, oh, I bet you she would, you know, think I'm a wonderful guy. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sensing a theme here. I don't know if it makes it through all of the nine reasons, but one of the things I'm sensing here already is that every single, these first two at least, um, are born out of very good and legitimate needs that we have in our life. There is a need for us to be stimulated. In other words, I mean, we need to be active in all kinds of ways. God did not create us 
to be motionless or, or disconnected from people. So obviously we need that kind of stimulation, but also he created us with a very real need for affirmation, right? I mean, and, and, and really, if we think about that genera- generationally, that is something that's supposed to be passed down from generation to generation in terms of affirming identity and you're a boy, you're a girl, you're, you're created in the image of God and, and all of that. So is that something, is that a theme we're going to see throughout the rest of them is that these are yeah. legitimate? You're going to see that theme through most of them, but what you're really going to see here is that most of these deal with emotional and mental distressors that were obtained in our younger lives. Mm. So, and again, some of them, whether it was a direct message or an indirect message, maybe it was something that wasn't even intended to hurt us, but we took it the wrong way. Yeah. I, one of, in that regard, one of the, one of the uh, quotes that I've always re- remembered, it's always stuck with me when it comes to children, is that kids are great observers, but terrible interpreters. And so a lot of times these wounds that connect with us in our childhood, many times, like you said, are not always intended to be a wound from the parent. In other words, a, a parent isn't necessarily trying to inflict a wound on their kid, but the way that a kid might observe these disconnected relationships or might, might hear certain words and interpret them is where a lot of times those wounds come from. Well, that's absolutely correct because kids are egocentric. Kids are going to take on everything and say, it's my fault. It's yeah. they, can't, they can't blame mommy and daddy because we need mommy and daddy. Mm-hmm. So they take it upon themselves. And you're right. They, and think about how we interpret things. We interpret them based on our experiences in the world. Well, their experiences are very limited. So therefore, they're not going to have as much to be able to draw upon to figure out, am I accurate or am I inaccurate in what I'm thinking and feeling right now? So let's hear number three. The need for attention. Now, as young children, these were the folks who felt they never really belonged. They felt like they always had to chase people, whether they were their friend, family member, but they were really ever sought out. And now, even as adults, they crave to belong. They want to feel that people are chasing them. And this desire is so strong that even if their spouse is paying a lot of attention to them, it may not be satisfying enough. So therefore, they're going to seek out additional attention from other people. Uh, Again, and even if they're not looking for it, if somebody comes and approaches them and it makes it feel like they're getting that attention, they may find it really difficult to walk away. Well, and don't you see this too? I mean, we see this a lot in our ministry where then if you combined the, or if, if you then have a person that's consuming pornography and sort of creating a grid through which they are seeing life with pornography, then they can severely misinterpret any kind of attention. Absolutely. As being like, hey, she's into me or, you know, and we have, we have countless stories of guys who've even, I mean, they're, they're either spending time in jail or they've had other issues because they misinterpreted what attention really was when they had that grid of sort of pornography in their minds. Correct. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah. So, so what, what would be your nuanced difference in defining affirmation versus attention? Well, affirmation, I'm looking for praise. Okay. I'm I'm, I'm looking, I want to hear the words. Attention is I want you there with me. Mm-hmm. I want you chasing me. I want, I want to feel desired. 
Could you also say that maybe affirmation is looking for, uh, I want to, there's a sense of it where, yes, I want to be praised just for who I am. But I think some of it too is like, didn't I do well? Uh, Aren't you proud of me? Those kind of things. And it seems like Mm -hmm. attention is maybe more in that, like you're saying sense of belonging, like, hey, you don't have to do anything. I'm just going to focus on you and appreciate you or whatever. I don't know. No, that's a very good description of what you said. Yep, absolutely. So I'm curious about number four. Number four, the inability to emotionally connect. Now, let me tell you this. 95% of the guys who come into my office and sit on my couch, they suffer from this. Oh, yeah. And and it's not unusual for uh, most men to have two, three, maybe even five of these different reasons. But here, somewhere along the line, okay, they receive the message that, they're feeling weren't important, or maybe they're even dangerous. You can't express your emotion to somebody because you're going to be belittled. You're going to be uh, shut down, whatever it may be. So therefore, they don't know how to identify what they really feel. They can tell you if they're angry. They can tell you if they're sad. They can tell you if they're happy. But they can't really identify what they truly feel, and therefore, they don't even know how to express it to others. But more importantly, and this is where the wives really struggle, is that these men, they can't take on other people's emotions and be able to learn how to validate them. Instead, when the emotions come at them, what they do is they equate it to how they are feeling. Oh, I'm feeling attacked. Oh, I'm feeling like, you know, I'm unloved. I'm feeling blamed. Versus looking and seeing what is the pain that's coming at you. Instead, they see hostility. Yeah, I think this is, uh, if I were to just take these first four and put it in some kind of ranking order based on our 15 years of ministry, this one would be right at the top. It would. Uh, we see this one, like you said, I mean, virtually every single man who comes to us with some kind of sexual brokenness issue, we, we call them emotionally stunted. There's some kind of blockage that occurred. And a lot of times it actually coincides with their their initial introduction into this path towards sexual sin. There's mm-hmm. usually a connection between the emotional stuntedness and when they started getting kind of narrowly sidetracked by, by sexual sin. Right. Um, and then the thing is, is that this is why usually since about 85% of the people that we deal with are married, um, this is usually why things eventually come to the forefront. It's not because a wife knows about his pornography or whatever he's doing sexually it's because she recognizes the the disconnect emotionally and Mm -hmm. so often that's the presenting issue for her is she's going you know when we were dating i liked little boy you that was fun you know he's fun he's a lot she thought behind little boy was a man like an emotionally mature man. And then she gets three, four, five years into marriage and going, I'm sort of ready for grown up to show up. And where is he? And a guy just sort of blanks out and goes, what are you talking about? This is all you get. This is all I got, you know? So okay. we see that a lot. Right. That's all, that is all he has. He doesn't have it. He wasn't, he wasn't taught how to identify, recognize, and express his emotions as well take on others. Although he may feel very uh, intimate because he really wants to express it physically, right. whether it be sexual or non-sexual. And a lot of times that leaves the wife feeling very used 
It's like the only time you want to touch me is when you are looking for sex. Right. And I believe this, this reason here is, is especially important for wives to understand. It never excuses any kind of behavior that a guy gets into that's sinful as a, you know, because of this immaturity or whatever. But if she can understand that this is sort of the best he knows how to bring in terms of emotion, she might be empathetic and be able to be patient and, 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 I tell guys all the time, I say, you know who your greatest asset probably is going to be in helping you emotionally mature? If you're married, it's your wife. Mm -hmm. She's probably already got different wiring and kind of knows, is much more sensitive to her emotional self. She might be able to come along inside you and say, hey, I'd be happy to help you understand a little bit more about what you're feeling and how to express it. Because this is such a key issue, I've actually been thinking very seriously about this is the third book. It is just strictly about how men struggle with emotional intimacy, but also how they tie it into sexual abuse too. As a sidebar on that, I may need to get you connected to our, uh, uh, my co-host on here, Stephen Cervantes, because we've done several episodes on emotional training for men. You mm-hmm. guys could probably swap notes and who knows, maybe it could be a collaborative project, but I'll, oh, I'll send you great. Steve's info. Um, so let's move on to number five. What's number five? Number five is the need for control. Here, these are kids who, uh, they grew up in very hectic or chaotic environments, all right? So now you're probably wondering, well, you know, but why, why, you know, control? Well, because they have developed the worldview that if I can control things, I can prevent bad things from happening, okay? Mm-hmm. Back then, they had no control. So how does control tie in with sex? Well, by using sex, it serves as a distraction to events that are happening in their lives now that they have no control over. So therefore they feeling like I got some sort of control. I go over here and I act out, but, but it's doing nothing really, but just blocking out to them what's truly happening in their lives. Yeah. And you know what? I think I see this uh, a lot of times in the men that we might call sort of the type a hard dr- driver yes. type personalities you know that's a huge issue from their history i think too it dovetails with those who have perfectionistic tendencies Mm -hmm. it's got to be just so and and then of course i think it dovetails obviously with the emotional disconnectedness and all of that but um you know i hope this is listeners i hope you're starting to as as we go through these you're thinking about all right where might i fit on this continuum so men be be thinking about where you might uh, fit here because I do think um, uh, treatment, if I can use that that, that term, if you sort of thinking of a medical type thing, uh, treatment is best realized when the diagnosis is accurate, right? So if we can if we can help men to be able to, and maybe even their wives be able to recognize some of these things in in the men, then it's so much more effective, right? To get into counseling and get into things that then you can start dealing with it rather than just going, Hey, so what's, what's, uh, if I could put it this way, what's wrong with you? And a guy just goes, I don't know <laughs> if we can start saying, here's probably some reasons behind why you're looking at pornography, why you've been pursuing these kind of sexual uh, illicit affairs or whatever else. It sure helps to start getting a bead on how to, how to die, uh, get treatment. You, you bring up a good point because see what, what I'm trying to accomplish here is these are triggers. Yeah. These are all emotional triggers that men are not aware of. 
And what we're trying to do is get them aware of the emotional trigger. So therefore, if, if let's say, you know, the wife has been kind of distant lately, and now he's feeling a lack of attention, he can now go to her because he understands this and say, hey, you know what? I miss you. Other, instead of just running off and doing something he shouldn't be doing, plus the wife also can start to pick up, oh, you know what? Yeah, I think I have been a little distant. Am I triggering your need for attention? Yeah. Or I haven't really prayed you very much lately. Am I triggering that need for affirmation? That's what we're really ultimately trying to do here. We're trying to catch out. This is about insight. Mm -hmm. End up doing self-reflection and having insight so that they can help themselves uh, to make sure they don't wind up going down a slippery slope. Yeah, I think it's, it's shifting the focus from the fruit and saying, let me complain about how rotten this fruit is and actually saying, let's look at the root. Because yeah. unless we deal with the root, we're going to just keep getting the same, the same fruit. Yeah. So let's, let's uh, hear what number six is. Yeah, number six is the sense of entitlement. The sense of, and I call it because I can. And basically, mm -hmm. individuals who feel, felt devalued as teenagers and children, they lacked a voice. They felt they weren't really heard. They felt that their needs and desires did not matter. So as they got older, what they do, they turn to sex as a reward for them. The worldview is, I deserve this. Mm -hmm. So when things don't go their way, this could be an emotional trigger that may cause them to act out. And then, therefore, it's like, you know what? I deserve this. Right. And I think a lot of this happened, especially with men who, when they feel like their wives, there's hostility coming from them. And again, the guy's seeing hostility, but there's pain. But yet they're seeing hostility. So therefore, you know what? I don't deserve this. I deserve something else. Mm -hmm. And then walk off and acts out. I think we're seeing this as a growing category of reason, too, in a lot of uh, younger people, um, where there's just this sense of, I deserve, you know, yeah. there's, there's sort of an entitlement generation that is actually being raised up now. And I think that's, we're seeing more guys that are coming into our space of ministry, that they mm -hmm. don't have the same exact kind of woundedness or in their, in their history, in the, in the same way that we would see maybe 30 years ago but they have this high sense of entitlement and it's like, Hey, I just look at porn cause I want to, and I should be able to do whatever I want, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. So what's number seven? Number seven is, is the only one to deal with sex and that is early sexual stimulation mm -hmm. and abuse. So this is a kid who stumbled across pornography at a young age or perhaps maybe was sexually molested. Um, and therefore because of sex being introduced at such an early age, can lead to a lot of irrational beliefs about sex and about the individual themselves, including right. the fact that I might be bad or I'm dirty or whatever it may be. However, you know, what's, what's important about this um, idea here is understanding the fact that, you know what, even though there's early stimulation, usually this is not the only reason that anybody ever puts. I've never had anybody say, right. oh, early stimulation. There's always at least two or three more other of these reasons linked to this because of the way they ultimately feel about themselves and the messages that they received. Yeah. So we've got a few minutes left, but I definitely want us to be able to tackle eight and nine. So what is eight? Eight is feelings of inferiority or weakness. These are uh, individuals who are conditioned, conditioned to believe that they were weak and inferior, whether that be their parents, their siblings, their peers. So therefore they use sex 
to feel empowered or they use it to reinforce the fact that they feel inferior. So therefore their fantasy world may involve dominance and submission and the worldview of I deserve to be used or I must use others. Mm. And finally, the last one is a stress buster, which actually becomes a very key one. This is one that many people will pick, but again, it's never usually on its own. And basically this is that they grew up feeling very anxious because they lived in an environment where maybe they were going through neglect, abuse, trauma. But over time, because the kids, they don't want to feel the anxiety, they become desensitized to it. And, but it's still there, but yet they don't really feel it so much. But when they discover, when they discover sex, they realize that it can really lower their level of anxiety. It soothes them so well. So now as adults, when anything ever becomes anxious for them, it is their go-to. They learn that they can reduce their stress level by abusing sex. Yeah. Now, obviously, this this list of nine are the are these reasons, you know, uh, why men abuse sex. They're not excuses. They're not excuses for sure. The other thing too is they're also not the the treatment. Right. So this is just sort of like the doorway that a person can enter through my one question I have for you. And then I definitely want to let people know where they can get more information about you and some some resources is when you have people and we're dealing with men here that um, clearly become almost um, have a lack of self-awareness. I think that's a big deal. How do you help people who really don't understand themselves to then actually be able to identify which of these reasons or which combination of these reasons are most applicable to them. How do you help them do that? Well, believe it or not, what we do, we tap into their inner child. I'm a big believer that we all have, you have a little Jonathan, I have a little Eddie. And if I tell people, you know what happened? Your little, that little kid been running the show. You're not running the show. Mm -hmm. And therefore what we need to do is identify what are his hurts what are his pains? And then help to learn how to soothe him and realize, hey, guess what? You don't have to be fearful anymore because I'm going to make good decisions for us. I'm going to protect you and I'm going to protect me. Yeah. Now, that, that's just kind of the core. See, I don't look to change people's behavior. I look to change people's heart because that's what the wife needs. The wife needs to see the new guy. She want to see the old guy. She wants to see the new guy. How have you changed so that I can take a chance with you once again? Yeah. You don't want to see him trying to tape paper apples onto his tree, right? <laughs> we actually want to see new fruit produced from that root that has been, you know, changed. And in order for that to happen, Jonathan, you got to pull out the old root. Right. Because the old root is contaminated. It's, it's rotted. We got to pull that out and we have to replant something new. And we're using Christ to help us at the centerpiece of that new growth. Absolutely. John 15, great place to go in terms of Christ saying he's the vine where the branches abide in him. So Eddie, thank you so much. We, I mean, we, I know we only scratched the surface. There's so much more here, but I hope this is helpful to our listeners, but why don't you share with our listeners how they can connect with uh, some resources from you and, and be able to get further help. Right. Well, they can uh, go to our website, Abundant, Abundant Life Counseling, GA, got to put the GA for Georgia in there, dot com. And we have some resources that are there. I believe the nine reasons, I think, are listed there, too. Um, I also have a book on Amazon that is called Removing Your Shame Label, 
um, which again, not fully about sexual addiction, but as you can imagine, that shame is a big issue here. Oh, yeah. That's available both on Amazon and on Barnes and Nobles. Yeah. Well, and Eddie, me, if they want to, they can reach me at my email address at edcappa, E-D-C-A-P-P-A at gmail.com. Great. Well, thank you so much, Eddie, because this has been uh, very helpful and I hope it really stirs men out there to be able to be, understand kind of where their, where their brokenness has been leveraged and how they can then begin to enter into a place of healing and, and new growth. So thank you, Eddie, for being with us. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, I hope it is going to be helpful for people. Yeah. Well, listeners, we're always glad that you're with us, and we sure look forward to having you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.